Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Well, the Spirit of God has led us to study the book of Revelation. This will be part three in this series. Uh, so, uh, but we'll just, uh, you know, we're not in a rush, are we? I mean, we've got until the millennium, right? <laughs> we got a, we got a while to go. So uh, let's just get let's just get everything God's got for us tonight as we get in the Word of God. We are on chapter six. And in chapter 6, it covers the seven seals. We looked at five of them. The first one, when he opened the seal, he saw the white horse. And we have taken that to believe that that is the church walking in its authority, walking in its blood covenant with God, and going forth as more than conquerors, conquering. And as we, as we look at each one of these horses, these four horses of the apocalypse, as they're called, uh, horses represent moves. So this is a move of God, a move of the Spirit. And I believe in the last days, we're going to see the church conquering and functioning in its fullness in these last days. Now, you think, uh, you think about that, you know. I've heard people say, well, you know, the end time move is going to be a culmination of all the different moves of God that have come throughout history. And there's been all kinds of different moves of God that have emphasized different attributes of God, different revelations from the Word of God. And so this will just be a culmination of them all. This would be like something that's never been seen before. The church functioning in its fullness. Imagine the body of Christ worldwide functioning in its fullness. In the fullness of the blessing of God. The apostle Paul, he was functioning in the fullness of the blessing of God in his personal life and ministry. And he said that over in Romans chapter 15 and in verse 29. He says, but I know that when I come to you, come to those in Rome, I shall come in the fullness of of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. In other words, the full measure. The full measure of the gift of God that's on his life. We need to see apostles function in the full measure of that gift of an apostle. We need to see evangelists functioning in the full measure of that gift of an evangelist. We need to see pastors functioning in the full measure of the gift of a pastor. Whoo, man. Full measure. Teachers, the same thing. The full measure. Full measure. We need to see the fivefold, but then we need to see the body of Christ rising up in faith. Functioning in the full measure of the blessing and the gifting of God that's upon their life. And of course, 1 Corinthians 12 mentions the nine manifestations of the Spirit. We need to see those manifestations of the Spirit functioning in their fullness. All of them. All the manifestations, the working of miracles, healings, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, all these different manifestations, see them function, not just a little here and a little there, but man just in abundance, functioning to their full degree that they can function. And I believe that's what we're going to see in these last days with the church represented here by that white horse. And then there was the red horse, which represented murder and war. He was granted to him to take peace from the earth. So we'll see that in its fullness. What's that going to look like? Or the black horse, which is famine. And uh, worldwide famine. See that operating in its fullness. The fourth seal was the pale horse, which... Represented death, which again was murder, hunger, famine, just, just a combination of everything. Sickness, disease, and we'll see that in the last days functioning in their full measure. And then the fifth seal, he opened that up and he saw the souls of those who had been martyred for their faith. 
And they were told to wait a little while longer until the rest of those who were to be martyred. I don't know if that's any of us. I don't know if any of us have our names on that list. God knows. We don't know. But until uh, those that would be martyred would join them. And now we're on the sixth seal, which is here in chapter 6. And in verse 12, and I looked when he opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. You know, I think of a nuclear bomb going off. You know how that, it goes off and it just looks like the sky is like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. That's something pretty big to make that happen. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to? To stand. You know, it's interesting. They aren't talking about nuclear weapons. They have these uh, nuclear bunkers that they build inside mountains. And so here it seems to be describing something of the magnitude of a, of a nuclear bomb. A nuclear bomb's going off. And notice where the commanders uh, of the army and the mighty men, where all they wanted to go. They all went into the bunker. They all wanted to go into, they all ran into the mountains to escape this destruction that was coming. Now, Jesus also makes mention of this. Now, here's Jesus. Picture Jesus. He's carrying the cross. He's been brutally tortured. He's been whipped. His flesh has been torn apart. And he's carrying the cross and he's suffering an unimaginable suffering. And he sees some people weeping. Here in Matthew 23, verse 27, it says, And great multitudes of people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are Coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. See the same thing we just read over in the book of Revelation. For if they now watch this, for if they do if they do these things, what they're doing to Jesus right now, in the greenwood. What will be done in the dry? Jesus here is making reference to what we just read in the book of Revelation, which we know is talking about the great tribulation. And here Jesus is saying, I mean, here he is, brutally tortured, carrying his cross, and he looks and he says, don't cry for me. Cry for you, for your children. Who are far off. Because there's a day coming. They're going to want to go into the mountains. And they're going to want those mountains. They don't want, they're not going to want to come out of there. They're going to want to hide in there and die in there. And he says, if this kind of stuff, if they're doing this kind of thing now, when it's green, what's it going to be like when it's dry? In other words, Jesus is saying... What I'm going through right now is nothing compared to what's coming in the time of the Great Tribulation. Think about that. I mean, Daniel the prophet, in looking into the future at the time of the Great Tribulation, we won't go there now, but 
some of the things he saw, the Bible says it caused him to get sick and faint and become weak. And he was just sick for many days because of what he saw concerning the last days. Now, Zechariah 14, verse 12, it says, And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. So just instantly vaporized. What does that sound like? Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. And it goes on to say the same will be on not just people but on the, on the beasts, on, on every living thing on the earth, vaporized in a nuclear explosion. But thank God you and I are called to such a time as this. And there's grace for us to face the days ahead. Now, we have a lot to be worried about if we're going to go into the future in our own strength. But if we're going in the grace of God, then man, this is exciting, to say the least. I mean, these are some amazing, amazing times. And think about the kind of people of faith that will live through these times? What kind of giants in the faith will they be like? They will be huge giants in the faith, walking in tremendous supernatural power. That's why, again, we see the move of God coming first. We see God getting his church ready. We see the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit operating in their fullness. Friend, we're not going into this thing without supernatural grace, an abundance of God's grace. He gives us everything we need to be able to handle whatever is ahead. Do you believe that? So we never have to be fearful when we look at these things. And besides that, this life's a vapor. And so, you know, we know that when 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 it's all over, it's over. And that the sufferings of this present time aren't Worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. So it doesn't matter the level of suffering. As soon as you step over the other side, huh? that's going to be forgotten really fast. Because you're going to be in complete ecstasy in the presence of him. Can you say amen? Chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Now, it was interesting. Last night in prayer, we had our you know, spirit-led prayer meeting, and Jean was leading that. And I don't know how many of you were here, and you remember her talking about the wind being held back from blowing. And it was talking about hurricanes, tornadoes, destructive winds. And I believe that's what it's talking about here. Winds can symbolize judgment. Judgment. And here that judgment was being held back. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God. Well, actually, let, let, me, let me back up here. Uh, let's go back to verse 1 again. After these things, I saw four, uh, four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Now, the sea is symbolic of humanity. How many of you know the devil in Ephesians 2.2 is referred to as the prince of the power of the air? And so he would try to stir, stir things up in the atmosphere around us, in the atmosphere of the world. And so, of course, when the wind gets to blowing, it can create giant waves of the sea. And again, if sea is, is humanity, then it could create a lot of turmoil and chaos among people. That's what that can symbolize. The sea being turned up is a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion uh, among people. And
And then uh, in verse 2 it says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth. So notice... At first, you might look and say, well, this wind's being held back. That sounds like, you know, maybe like a drought. That doesn't sound like a good thing. But actually, it's a good thing. Because the bad thing is when those angels release the wind, as we see here in verse 3, saying, do not harm the earth. He's saying, wait, hold on now. Don't, they're not doing it. You're not harming the earth. If holding back the wind was harming the earth, then he wouldn't be telling them to hold off from harming the earth because they'd already be doing it. Right? So he says, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees. Now, trees also uh, can be symbolic in the word of God of the righteous. And we'll see that in a little bit, in a little further on. He says, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So things are being held back until there's some folks that get sealed. And how many people know the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So it's all about folks that still need to get born again, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and be sealed by the Spirit of God. So there's things being held back until more people come into the kingdom of God. There's certain folks that need to be sealed first. And then it goes on in verse 4 and says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So this is talking about the nation of Israel, who we know now, right now, primarily the Jewish people, are not saved. There are Jewish people, there are Jewish believers, but the majority are not believers in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They're not believers in Him as, as their Messiah. But here it's saying... Right off the top, 144,000 are going to get sealed. They're going to get saved. Romans chapter 11, and in verse 5, it says, Even so, then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's a remnant. He's talking about the Jewish people. He's talking about Israelites. He says there's a remnant... According to the election of grace. That in other words, they're going to get saved. They're going to come into faith concerning the grace of God. He goes on to verse 25. And says, for I do not desire brethren, talking to you and I, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part, spiritual blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness. The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. See, in other words, when the Gentile church reaches its fullness, then grace is going to come upon Israel. The grace of God's going to come upon them so mightily, probably because of the the fullness of, of the Gentile church, what we'll be walking in, is going to affect them. See, we're going to be here. And we're going to affect Israel. And so, it says, they're blind right now, but it's happened until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 26. And so, watch this. All Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's what's coming in the last days. That sounds pretty exciting. Verse uh, verse 12, I want to go back to this. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how many would know their rejection of Jesus has led to the salvation of other nations, to the Gentiles, to our, to our salvation. Israel rejected Jesus, and the grace of God went to the rest of the world. So he's saying, if their rejection of Jesus, if their fall away from God, they're turning away from grace, 
is riches for the world. Our salvation, our deliverance, causing us to have a covenant with God and their failure, riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So when Israel gets saved, I mean, think about it. They've totally turned away from God. They crucified their Messiah. Grace has gone to the Gentiles. The whole world's gotten blessed. Thank you, Israel, for rejecting Jesus. Because your rejection of Jesus has led to spiritual richness for us. Amen. He says if their rejection has affected the world in such a positive way, what do you think they're being saved and coming into the fullness of the grace of God for themselves? How do you think that's going to affect you and the rest of the world? See, I'm telling you, there's some exciting things coming in the last days. It is not all doom and gloom. I got news for you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of a lot of stuff that a lot of people in the world are going to be facing. That the blessing of Abraham, the blessing on Israel might come upon the Gentiles. That we might walk in the fullness of the blessing of God. We're going to be walking in the fullness of the blessing of God. We're going to see Israel get saved. Now you understand, these are people that rend their garments when they repent. These are people that throw dirt up in the air and shout really loud. These are some very zealous people. These are some very spiritually excited people. So when they get it, when they realize Jesus is the Messiah... They're going to go wild. They are going to be so fanatical. Now the church, the Gentile church, will already, be, will already come into its fullness. So we're going to be walking in tremendous glory already. And then this is going to happen in Israel. And we're going to see them come quickly into the fullness of the blessing of Abraham. The fullness of the glory of God. And you're going, to have the, you're going to have the Gentile church and Israel together in these last days facing the wickedness that's coming on the face of the earth. Come on, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're going to be walking in such I mean, there's going to be such a display of God in these last days. It's not all devil. I got news for you. It's not all antichrist. It's all about the Christ. It's all about the Christ. He's rising up in his church. Now, you don't hear a whole lot of that, but that's some good stuff, isn't it? It's exciting. And it's right here. And there's a lot of scriptures that promise Israel will be saved. Verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, Peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now you might look at that and say, That's just all the people that have gotten saved throughout all the many different generations there, standing before the throne of God. And notice, it's a great multitude which no one could number. That's a lot of folks. They can't all be, it's not going to just be 144,000. There's 144,000 that are going to be marked, but that's not just 144,000. All of Israel will be saved. We just read that. That's more than 144,000. And now here you got all the tribes, all the time. Da, da, da. So you think, man, that's just everybody over generation. No, 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 no. Watch this the next verse, verse 13. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, wait a second. A great multitude which no one could number of all the nations, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. 
You can't even number the amount of people that are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ during the Great Tribulation. See, it's, it's going to be intense. It's going to be the fullness of the grace of God in the earth with the fullness of evil and everything the wicked one has been sowing since Adam and Eve. I mean, it's going to be the culmination. It's going to be the fullness of both God and the devil. Good and evil. Light and darkness. I mean, it's going to be dark. But oh, when that deep darkness fills the earth, the glory of the Lord, the light of God is going to be shining on you and I. So it's going to be a time of tremendous light and tremendous darkness. What you focus on will determine your joy gauge. And it will determine what is going to become of you. Because there will be a lot to look at to cause you to faint for fear. And there will be people fainting for fear just because of the things they're seeing. Like Daniel. Right? He fainted for the fear, the dread of the things he was seeing. But we don't have to dread. We don't have to fear. Daniel wasn't created for that time. He wasn't even born again. He didn't know about the grace of God that you and I are walking in and are about to walk in. He didn't know any of that. So he just responded to it like anyone else in the world respond to it. I mean, he just fainted for fear. Passed out. Got sick. Got sick over what he saw. Not you and I. Because our eyes are on Jesus. Our eyes are on him. How did Jesus endure the cross? How did he do that? For the joy that was set before him. See, he was looking beyond the pain and the suffering. That's why he's able to say, don't cry for me. Don't cry for me. Cry for those that are living in the last days that don't know anything about the grace of God. That's what he was talking about. But Jesus, he was looking past his suffering. We got so much to focus on in God. So much to focus on. So much glory for you and I to be walking in. How's that going to happen? Well, we're getting ready for it now. You get ready for it now. Otherwise, it might not happen for you. It's going to happen for me. I put my hand up. Anybody else? Yeah. It's going to happen for me. Yeah. Yeah, because we're getting ready. We're taking the Word of God seriously. We're not sitting here talking about some fairy tale thing you can't find in the Bible about we're not going to be here. Oh, we're going to be here. I wouldn't miss this for anything. That was my sword coming out of its sheath. I wouldn't miss this for anything. Praise God forever. I mean, why not look forward to it? Look forward to all this darkness and death. No, look forward to all this glory, all this light, all this grace, all this fullness. Man, that's going to more than make up for it. I said it's more than going to make up for it. Can you say amen? And then those that do suffer during the tribulation, but are saved. They got saved. He says, verse uh, verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. That's not bad. That's not a bad place to end up. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. You know, there's a lot of things that we'll be able to go through without suffering like a lot of Christians are going to suffer during the Great Tribulation. Because, you see, they're going to get saved in it. We got saved and got geared up and prepared before it. Big difference. 
I mean, you're just happy to be saved. You're in the middle of this thing. All hell's breaking loose around you and everything else. You're faithful to Jesus. You'll lay your life down. You'll go through it, whatever it takes. To, you're not going to deny him. But my God, you don't know how to use your authority. You don't know how to walk by faith and not by sight. You haven't been trained. Thank God we've been trained. And we'll be able to help a bunch of them. Can you say amen? Praise God. Come over to my house. It'll be safety there. The hell balls won't hit you over there in my house. Praise God. Amen. So that's, uh, that's how we conclude chapter 7. Now, chapter 8. Verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Could it be because of how awesome everything that takes place is? Because of how awesome God's judgment is. That all of heaven, because of what happens on earth, heaven just stands in awe. Think about that. Now, heaven's a pretty awesome place. There's probably not too much that goes on on heaven, uh, it goes on on the earth that impresses heaven. Right? I mean, it's just not a whole lot of impressive. Now, people get saved, that impresses. You know, they like that when people get saved. But, you know, you think about all the flesh stuff that goes, I mean, it's not a whole lot. You know, we get down here, we have a Holy Ghost meeting, you know. We have a night in the glory. <laughs> and we just, woo-hoo, we're just so drunk and everything. And they're up in heaven going, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're, I mean, you understand what they're walking in. We get a little, we get a little, a little drop comes down, hits us on the nose. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then everybody looks and goes, ooh, man. David takes off running around the room. He, Little drop of gold dust hits him on the nose, you know. He just takes off, right? <laughs> Up in heaven, man. They are saturated with the glory of God. So not a whole lot impressive, but what the kind of glory that's coming and the working of God in these last days in the midst of such darkness and such evil, I believe it's going to have heaven just standing in awe. Just in awe of the judgments of God, and the power of God, the glory of God, and the working of God in the lives of those that are here. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 7 says, Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. And of course, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the day of the Lord. We're talking about the end times. It's also referred to as the day of the Lord. His judgments, time of his wrath. And uh, here in its context, you know, in the day of the Lord, be silent before the sovereign Lord. Habakkuk chapter 2 and in verse 20, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Here the earth is silent before him. Now it's interesting, it says here, you know, for about a half an hour. It was silence in heaven. How do you know time is measured uh, very differently in heaven than it is here on the earth? It's measured very differently. Second Peter chapter 3 in verse 8, it says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So I sat down and did the math. I said, okay, let's see now. You gotta, uh, uh, let's take a thousand years, Right? And that's a day. A day consists of 24 hours. So 24 hours equals 1,000 years. So what would a half hour be? And I got 20 years. You can all check that out for yourself. But I, I did the math on it, and, and I got 20 years. So, a half, so uh, this half hour of silence in heaven is 20 years on the earth. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to whom were given seven trumpets. Now, we just talked about seven seals. Now he's going to talk about seven trumpets. And before you know it, he's, after he's done with that, he's going to talk about seven bowls. And then when he's done with that, he's going to talk about seven thunders. You think, my Lord God, how much more can the world take? You know, and a lot of folks say that the, the tribulation period 
is somewhere maybe just about a seven-year period on earth. And so you got these, these seven things. Well, I don't believe that these are seven separate judgments. I believe they're all talking about the same thing, but from a different perspective. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said to the church of Corinth, he said, this will be the third time I'm coming to you by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. You know, just like the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you got four witnesses of the same thing, but different perspectives. So here you have four different judgments, or the same judgment, but four different perspectives. The seals, the trumpets, the bowls, and uh, the thunders. So they're not all separate. It's all, I believe all these things are all happening at the same time period. And then just remember, verse 2, it says, uh, you know, the uh, seven angels were preparing for the seven trumpets. But before that happens, before they blow those trumpets in Zion, before they blow those trumpets, signifying the beginning of the end time judgments. Watch verse 3. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So, you know, we got prayer going on, angels coming with baskets, filling up these baskets with our prayers, bringing them before the throne of God, mixing it with incense, and uh, offering it, offering it, before, the, before God's throne. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Sometimes angels are, operate as mediators carrying messages not only from God to us, but from us to God. Verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings and an earthquake. You say, what is this? Well, the noises, the thunderings, the lightnings and the earthquake, if you go to Exodus chapter 19, that's how the glory of God coming down on Mount Sinai is described. Noises, thunderings, lightnings, earthquakes. The mountain was shaking. As God, his glory, descended upon that mountain. So here folks are praying. They're crying out to God. They see the hour. They understand the times. And they're praying. And they're crying out to God. Angels are involved in what's going on. And finally, there's a, an accumulation of all these prayers and all this worship and all this crying out to God in faith that reaches its fullness. And so it's taken and it's time. It's mixed with fire and it's flung to the earth. And what happens? Our prayers are answered. Glory be to God. There's an earth-shaking move of God. There's the glory of God with signs, wonders, miracles. I mean, you got to understand something. What came down on Mount Sinai was absolutely awesome. But friend, it's not going to be limited to Mount Sinai. It's going to be happening all around the earth. God's glory is coming down. I said his glory is coming down. His power is going to be on display right before trumpet number one goes. Kind of like the seals with the white horse going out first. The white horse going forth. A move of God. Now we're starting the trumpets. What's the first thing? A move of God. A move of God, manifestations of the glory of God. Verse 6. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth. 
And a third of the trees were burned up and the green grass was burned up. Notice that. He sounds, and what ha- what's the first thing we see? Hail and fire. See, now this is coming off of a move of God like the world has never seen before. Hail and fire. Two total extremes. Hail is ice. It's cold. Cold as ice. Fire? What's hotter than fire? What's hotter than fire? You've got fire and ice. You've got hot and cold clashing together, and there is no lukewarm. That's been spewed out. And that's what's coming in the last days. And we see it already happening. But there's not going to be any lukewarm in the last days. You're either going to be all in or you're going to be all out. That's how it's going to be. At the end of this move of God, the hot are going to be hot. And the cold that resist this great move of God are going to be ice cold. And when these two forces collide together, what do you got? Blood. Mingled with blood. People are going to die. A third of the trees were burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. These are going to be some intense times. Trees, like we said before, can represent the righteous. Trees of righteousness. Isaiah 61 verse 3 He says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called what? Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You remember Psalm 1 verse 3. It says, he is like a tree. Talking about the one that does not stand in the counsel of the ungodly, but it said his affections on the Lord. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. So notice he says a third of the trees. Well, when you talk about a third of something, I think of Isaiah chapter 14, how when Lucifer fell, a third of the angels fell with him. It's actually mentioned over Revelation chapter 12. A third of the angels were cast down with him. A third of the angels fell with him. So a third can represent a falling away. So here we have these trees of righteousness falling away. Why? Because it's a time where the hot and the cold are clashing and the lukewarm can't survive it. And so those that have been maybe planted in the kingdom of God, planted in church, showing up For every service, some of them are not going to be able to handle the heat of the persecution that's going to come from the cold. From those that are ice cold. They're going to be vicious. You know, they talk about, you know, murdering people in cold blood. Cold blood. No affections. Just completely numb. To human life, numb to the sufferings of other people. That's the kind of persecution that's going to rise. Well, I mean, it happened to the church, right? We saw a move of God in Acts chapter 2. And come Acts chapter 4, you've got Peter and John in prison being beaten. Didn't take long. Persecution breaking out in the church. The church kept growing. Church kept multiplying. Read the book of Acts. Church kept multiplying. But man, they got persecuted even more. They got scattered. People were getting beheaded. People were being executed. So they were scattered. And what happened? They grew even more. More people getting saved. More of the glory of God in manifestation. More people getting healed. More people getting delivered. So you have both these things going on. And so here it says a third of the trees, a third of the righteous. Not going to make it through this. They're not going to be able to handle the temperature. And again, we've got to come back and look at ourselves. What's your temperature? Let me get your forehead, please. I got to see if you're sealed on the forehead. I went into a place just recently and they 
needed to check my temperature, and they pointed that thing, and three numbers came up on the, on the thing. And it was 90, what was it, 90, 97 point whatever it was, you know. And I thought, well, thank God it wasn't 666. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, what's your temperature? Spiritually. What's your temperature? There's angels walking around right now. Everybody gets checked when they walk in that door. Angels are checking you, whether you know it or not. Angels are checking you. Checking your temperature. How did you walk into church tonight? Then I'm going to check your temperature when you walk out of here. See if anything happened. Got the same temperature they walked in with. What in the world? These guys are walking out the same temperature they walked in with. And that man was preaching with fire. What's wrong with these people? You should go out of here sweating. Spiritually. You should go out of here hot. Fired up. Those are the folks going to make it in the last days. The hot get hotter. We're getting hotter. If you're not getting hotter now, who says you're going to get hotter then? If, if God's a big inconvenience for you now, what do you think is going to happen in the last days when we're having church seven days a week? You can't close the doors because of the people coming into the kingdom of God. Then what's going to happen? I got a lot going on. I'm a busy man. I got a lot of plans. I can't be inconvenienced like this. A lot of folks aren't going to make it. A third of the trees aren't going to make it. And the Bible prophesies about this falling away. Big time. Of course, Jesus mentioned it over in Matthew 24. It says in verse 9 of Matthew 24, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Would that include America? All nations. That means some Christian-friendly nations today won't be Christian-friendly tomorrow. They'll hate Christians. And then many will be offended, will betray one another. Talking about, talking about us, talking about the Christians. Betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. It's because you're offended. That's what happens. You get offended. You leave the church. And so you're looking for something that is more, you know, you don't want to leave God. You just want to change God. So you change doctrines. And you change things to fit what you want for theology. And so false prophets will flourish in an, in a, an environment where Christians are offended. That's where a lot of, lot, of, lot of wild stuff happens. That's where a lot of works get raised up. And a lot of people enter the ministry because of the offended people. They have a great demand for false prophets. And because lawlessness will abound. Watch this. The love of many will what? Oh, like hell? Like hell? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to move from the warm to the cold. Then there's going to be those, the ones I'm looking at now, are going to move from the warm to the lava. Right? It's going to be like little fireballs. Or big fireballs. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and in verse 2, it says, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist. So, this is, so listen, Jesus isn't coming back. Nobody's disappearing. Nothing's happening until a couple things happen first. Number one, there's going to be a falling away. You look up the word falling away, and it's this Greek word apostasia. You know, it sounds like an Italian restaurant. We have some apostasia. But it's actually where we get our English word apostasy, which is a turning away from faith, from faith in God. It's an apostasy, see? So that's what that is. He said there'll be an apostasy first. There'll be a falling away from Christ, and then the Antichrist will be revealed, and all that's going to happen before anybody says anybody's disappeared. Jesus has come back. Can you say amen? So it's going to happen. These things are, these things are all going to happen. And then here he talks about the grass being burned up. 
And all the green grass was burned up. Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.24, all flesh is like grass. And all the glory like the and, and all the glory and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers, and the flower falls. So grass represents the flesh. Just represents the flesh. And the Bible says in Psalm 92, verse 7, that though the wicked sprout like grass, and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, looks, it might look like there's a lot of evil folks flourishing. But they're doomed. They're doomed. There's going to be a lot of destruction. So there's going to be trees that, yeah, there's trees that are going to fall away and be burned up. Talk about the righteous. Not all, a third, a portion. But then also you're going to have the flesh, the flesh being consumed. But I like what it says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. It says, for behold, for one, for behold, the day cometh. That shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So a lot of folks living in the flesh are just going to get wiped out, consumed. They're going to experience the judgments of God. Judgments of God. And we'll see more of that as we go on here in the book of Revelation. So, in conclusion here, we see that there's this great move of God. The white horse is moving. Tremendous grace is poured out. And the lukewarm are spewed out, which is going to include a lot of people that are currently righteous, saved, born again. They're going to turn cold. They're going to be offended. They're going to fall away because of lawlessness. They're not going to be able to stand. They're going to turn to false prophets and everything else. They're going to fall away. And, and there's going to be tremendous destruction of the wicked. A lot of the plots and plans, fleshy plans of the wicked are going to be wiped out. And there's going to be tremendous persecution against the church. And that's that blood. The, the hail and the fire mingled with blood. There's going to be a lot of lives that are going to be, well, not really lost. I can't say lost. Because the, laying down your life for Jesus isn't a lost life. I said it isn't a lost life. That's a victorious life. That's going out with great honor. Great honor. And then there's the second trumpet. But we might hear about that next time. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord for his word, his warnings, his help, his encouragement. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.